0: Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's Holy Word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect for it leads us to the Perfect One, the Lord Jesus. He is the Bread of Life. Let us seek Him together through God's Word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. The Transfiguration of Jesus was a stunning moment. He shone like a light was brilliantly lighting him up from the inside out. His face shone like the sun, we're told. His clothes were washed in that light and became whiter than could be humanly possible. What was that all about? Well, before Jesus went to the cross and became sin for us, the Father showed James and John and Peter the moral glory and brilliance of the one and only sinless man. Jesus was going to offer up that sinless glory for us and become sin for us in our place. God also, at that moment, revealed what it was He intended for us as well. We were made for glory. We were made to be dressed in that same moral glory. And in heaven one day, that dress will be seen on us who have believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And if you've confessed your sins and trusted in Him, well then, right now, that glorious dress, it's yours. Though you can't see it, it's already on you. It's already yours, you're wearing it. It's your justifying dress, and it makes you fit for a relationship with the Holy God, even now. Finally, let's consider that this moral glory is not meant to be hidden altogether. Even now, something of its brilliance and shine from your life. Just wait. The great moment of heaven will be when we'll see the Lord Jesus in all of His dazzling glory and we'll fall before Him and we'll worship Him and at that very moment of worship as we bow down we'll see upon ourselves the same dazzling brilliance. The same light and glory that's shining out from Him will be shining out from us. He'll read our minds. When did this happen? And we'll know, he'll tell us, the moment you believed in me, the moment you received me, even as you were struggling in the battle with the world and the flesh and the devil, this light was yours. I covered you with it. It's me. It's my life abiding and dwelling in you. It's my moral perfection given to you. And one day it will be unveiled. Let's have one last point. The last point will be a brilliant life for us now. A brilliant life for us now. This great work that God did in justifying us isn't providing for us some great story, some great unveiling that's to come to us in eternity that we can't draw from an experience and enjoy in this life right now. The very brilliance of Christ's own moral perfections is made available to us as He lives and He abides within us. And as we allow Him to transform us, the substance of the dress that Christ wears The substance of the dress that radiated out before his disciples as they saw how white and wonderful he was, was the fabric of his own eternal, internal righteousness. It was the fabric of what was radiating out from the intrinsic elements of his own perfect, sinless nature. It wasn't something that was put upon him. It was radiating out from him. But listen, it's the same for us as well. The dress of righteousness that we wear even now is made of the fabric of a moral glory that has become intrinsic to our own selves. Remember, we read this, 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Everything's become new. Something within me is made of a substance that's shone in glory. It's the outward emanation of a brilliant, eternal light that is within me and within you. If you've given your life to Christ, You know what it is? That light is Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. It's through the Holy Spirit that Christ comes and lives in us and he abides in us and his moral glory rests in us in all of its fullness, making us new persons. And even now, he can let, as we submit to him and as we yield to him and as we respond to him in relationship, he lets the splendor of that justifying dress shine out from our lives in purifying holiness and in holy power giving us victory. If you think of the brilliant life that the Lord Jesus lived, you've got to go back and review the gospel accounts. It's wise for you often to read the scriptures and to read the gospel accounts and to take note of how unusual the Lord Jesus is. Think about it. How would you have responded? Totally different. You read his life and you read those accounts and you take not only note of his teaching and his miracles. I don't think it's his miracles and I don't think that it's his teachings particularly that captivate people's imaginations or their minds, I think it's his perfection that does. I think it's his utter and complete righteousness that captivates the minds of even those who would want to reject him. What captivates our attention is we study his life is his moral character. He was always doing the right thing at the right time in the right manner. He was never but acting always in love towards all. He was never selfish, never unkind, never unholy, there was never a question about his purity. Those who sought to come upon him with an accusation always left him rebuked in their spirit against the testimony of his own divine, his own holy, his own moral truth. Pilate's verdict stands as an honest witness to his life and to anyone who studied his life. I find no fault in him. We can't say that about anybody else. Actually, when you go and read the Sermon on the Mount, it's interesting that so many people like the Sermon on the Mount because the Sermon on the Mount really is quite a devastating document. It tells us what Jesus' will is and how he wants us to live our lives and what those... Who are living in submission to his kingdom will look like. It communicates to us a righteousness that he says exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. It describes the righteousness of those people who had attuned themselves to give a presentation of a certain kind of moral verity that rose above the heads of everyone else in their nation. It's better than that, it said. It's the righteousness that doesn't even look upon a person at all with lust in their heart. It's the righteousness that never thinks of another as a fool. It's a righteousness that loves, but not only loves its neighbor and loves those who are dear and near to them, but it loves their enemies and prays for those who despitefully use them. It's a righteousness that does unto others always what they have others do unto them. And you go on and read it and read it, okay? Okay, now this is how I'm supposed to live my life. This is the standard I'm supposed to live by. This is really what a Christian is. They just follow all these rules. You'll find it a rather devastating document. You won't be able to perform it you'll find that you're an abject failure before it. Actually, the wonder of the Sermon on the Mount is that as the Lord Jesus is teaching the standards and laws of His community, of His kingdom, the Lord Jesus was really revealing His own moral glory. He was merely, in a sense, commenting on what you will find in Him perfectly and completely, utterly. F.B. Meyer recounts the height from which Jesus delivered his divine instruction on the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to these words. Our Lord was standing on the very summit of spiritual experience. This is as he's teaching the Sermon on the Mount. His own soul was fragrant with the beatitudes which he uttered to his disciples. He possessed in living human experience all that he sought to inculcate. With exquisite naturalness and simplicity... He was describing his own experiences. He was revealing the secrets of his own deep nature. He was delineating the colors that can never fade from the features of his own face. He was saying, be like me. This is what I am in every way. This brilliant life of Jesus Christ that he was announcing was, he was announcing a way to the world that was all-possessed and all-expressive of himself alone. And this life that he was expressing can be realized by us. When he lives in us, when he covers us, when we allow him to work through us, when we yield to him and give ourselves to him, when we say, Jesus, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus, not by my instinct, not in the power of my flesh but by the very life you've given me and that you're living in me and that you've covered with me. By your own and the power of your own moral brilliance. Let me choose this. Let me do this. Let me live in this way. And our life can even in this day be brilliant. It can begin to shine and sparkle with what God has put on us. Jesus knew the Father. He met with Him in daily prayer. He looked to Him to find guidance and direction. He communed with the Father and... In a relationship of knowing intimacy, he learned from the Father and he gave expressions to the Father of a perfect humanity. And with every revelation that the Father gave to the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus responded with the responsibility of that revelation. He responded to what God revealed of himself with a perfect expression of a like nature rating back what God revealed of his own self to him. Actually, God reveals himself to us as well. He shows us what He's like, and we try to respond, and we fail. The Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. That is the story of the—that's the human story. God shows us His glory. We say, "I'll, I'll be like that, and we fail. God showed Jesus His glory, and Jesus followed it and responded to it perfectly and wonderfully as everything that God intended for us to be and everything that God would make us through Jesus. Now, here's the wonderful truth. This one who lived in complete and utter and perfect harmony with the Father now, by the Spirit, lives in us. He lives in us. So that he can live out his life from us. This is actually the climax of the Scripture's promise to us. What might have been can still be. Jesus, in all of his moral glory, lives by his Spirit in the heart of the believer. He lives there to enable us and empower us in responding in pure obedience to everything that we see in God. And as we choose to submit to this inworking glory of Christ in us, we come to experience each and every day a growing, deepening relationship, fellowship, knowing of God. And we progress towards that final majestic moment when we will shine in heaven, radiating the splendor of Christ's own righteousness within us. Glory now. Glory then. I ask you to bow your heads. As we commune before you, we don't simply remember our sin and we don't remember the cost that you gave in covering that sin. But as we take the elements that represent your body broken for us and we drink the cup representing your life shed for us, your perfect sinless life shed for us, We take hold of our futures and we celebrate our internal presence. This holy one, this good one, abides within us. And we may drink of him now and we may eat of him now. And he can give us all of the substance of that life and we choose him by faith. Every single day, oh God, we see that life is filled with choices. And our failures come when, in the midst of those choices, we choose our flesh. We choose our own human instincts. We choose to say, let me do this one on my own, God. We choose to say, why don't you follow me, Jesus? Instead of saying, Jesus, let me always and never follow you. The choice before us always is whether we're going to go and encounter life in our own flesh on the basis of our own well known weaknesses, or whether we're going to encounter life in the power of the moral glory and brilliance of the righteousness of our Savior Jesus Christ, which was given to us by faith. You've said it, the just, the righteous shall live by faith. So, before this cup, we choose you. We choose to give expression. Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, may God bless you.